It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Mikey McNuggets, as always, joined by Earl the Pearl and Anthony Antonelli. Usually we can see our names, and I don't think we see our names today. And I'm curious why that is, Ant. Do you have any idea? You got to hide the uh, lower third. There we go. Oh, it hides it when you when you do that? See, I mm-hmm. didn't even know that. Well, we are here on a beautiful Wednesday night, an hour earlier than usual, but same quality of show that you will get. We're going to talk a little Browns, a little Cavs media day behind the scenes, a little... Fantasy football fugazi that bull tried pulling over Anthony's head. And as always, (laughs) we will be taking your viewer questions. But uh, we'll give the people a few minutes to get in here before we dig into our top topics of the night. But we'll start with this. Uh, Anthony, how you doing, man? I'm good. Hello, hello. I know I haven't seen you guys in about three and a half hours. Uh, Was feeling a little sick yesterday. Won't lie. Was pretty down in the dumps. Feeling better today. Earl? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just making sure the people getting the links out, you know. Hey, actually, while working while I'm working. While we're waiting for people to get in, Earl, you want to share with the world what you're doing? I think it's next week. Next Friday. Next Friday, yeah. So, uh, man, so I get this extreme honor and privilege to go to Cuyahoga County's Juvenile Detention Center um, and speak with some young men between the ages of 14 and 19 years old. Um, shout out to G for actually re, uh, recommending me to a gentleman named uh, Kenny Anderson. And Kenny Anderson was really familiar with me from my work at 92.3 The Fan, loves my work here at Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, and really didn't know too much about my backstory. And I get excited for things like this because, you know, I, I make it well known where I come from, some of the things that I've done growing up, some of the things that I've seen growing up. And I like to be a beacon of hope and inspiration to people that come from the communities that I come from. And so to get this opportunity to go talk to some troubled young men, to give them some hope and some light at the end of the tunnel, um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm really, really, this is something that, that means a lot to me. I feel like that when you can relate and when they can see somebody that can actually say they've been through some of the same things that they're going through right now, I think that can be a little bit more encouraging than somebody coming to talk to you who ain't never been through none of the stuff that you've been through. And so definitely, uh, definitely looking forward to it. So uh, I'll keep you all posted on that. Yeah, that's awesome. And we uh, we're proud of you. At least I can't speak for Anthony. I'm going to assume he's proud of you too. I know I am, but yeah, I know. We're just going to get to that line here. Listen, but uh, no, we're proud of you, man. You're going to kill it. And shout out to G for, I think G did that. When we first started, because he wears the Kenny Anderson sweatshirt. I think he wore yeah, he it does. yesterday, actually. It's the blue and red sweatshirt. He yeah, had. he does. So I know he did that. Shout out to everybody uh, tuning in with us already. I see Danny. Shout I'm out to you, Danny. I'm going to try pronouncing the first name. 
pair of Jot. Pair of Jot. Close. Real quick, before we get too off, is G going to record your speech, Earl? Like, will he be there to, like, catch it on the phone or something? Um, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure if you want to get some pieces of it, you know, we can make sure that that happened. But this is something that uh, it means a lot to me. You know, I feel like my grandmother always told me that I was a gifted young man, right? And I tell people all the time, you, you can tell when you're truly dealing with a, a, a true gift because it's the thing that you do the best with the least amount of effort. And this is something like working in the sports uh, media industry is something that I always wanted to do. It's me chasing my dream, but I don't think it's ultimately my purpose. I think this is my platform to fulfill my overall purpose in life. And this is just an example of me really like fulfilling my purpose. A lot of things is bigger than me. A lot of things is bigger than me just making sure my two kids are straight and stuff like that. So like just like try to just like spread love and be great. Like I post every day on Twitter. Like I really live by that. So. I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm interested to see how I go. Interested to see how they receive me. Um, I walk into every situation like that, humble, and understand like you know I'm I'm here to to give something to somebody else, and so that's what it's about. Nah, it's gonna be dope, man. We are excited for you, and you have uh, deserved and earned the honor to do so. So we'll we'll give everyone a follow up. <laughs> I guess not this coming Monday, but the Monday after. How yeah. Earl does. Shout out to Evan Wayne Blitz. Danny and Bill all in the chat with us tonight. We appreciate you guys. Let's uh, let's dive in, guys. It's five minutes in. And this is something that we've talked about in the show. We've talked about before the show. We've talked about after the show. But there's been a difference of wording and a difference of stories mm-hmm. from the top of the Browns brass over the last few days regarding the decision for Deshaun Watson not to play on Sunday. On Sunday, Deshaun Watson... And Kevin Stefanski had a conversation after warm-ups. Deshaun uh, apparently told Kevin Stefanski, I can't go. Stefanski walked off the field. Dorian Thompson-Robinson plays. It doesn't go well. Then we hear on Monday from Coach Stefanski that it was Deshaun's decision. He was cleared medically to play. It was his decision not to. Fast forward to this morning. Andrew Berry gets in front of the podium for his State of the Browns address, which he gives every bye week, by the way. It just happened yeah. to be earlier this year because it's a week five bye. And he said it was a team decision. <laughs> now, listen, we don't have to blow this up too much. It is what it is. It happened. It moved on. We can kind of pinpoint this to being a bye week. We don't have a game to talk about. So, yeah, maybe we are overanalyzing a few words where Kevin Stefanski may have misspoke. But do you get the impression? And I want to ask this very carefully. Do you get the impression that there is a little disconnect between Kevin Stefanski and Barry and Watson. Like those two are tied to the hip and Stefanski's the interchangeable part. So do you get that there's any level of dissension between those three based on how they've handled what happened the last few days? That you can go first. I'm I don't think so. I don't want to think so. I think it could have been just an easy slip up. Stefanski has kept up buttoned up for what five four or five years now that he's been the Browns coach a slip up is bound to happen here and there I don't think he was after Watson I don't think he's trying to cover his own you know like I I think Andrew definitely came out to do some publicity coverage for him after the slip up but I don't think there was any actual dissension between all of them I mean if you ask if I answer the question point Blake yes uh, you used the term, you don't want to overanalyze words. I don't either, and I don't want to blow this out of proportion. 
But, you know, I tell you two all the time, I spent a large amount of my working career working for the Cuyahoga County Justice System um, inside of courtrooms. I spent a lot of time around judges. And the one thing I do know is that anything that you say can be used against you in the court of law. And judges teach you that every word that you say, it matters. And it can sway an opinion of a jury and it can sway the opinion of fans. If we're talking in the football sense, it can sway the opinion of media, media members like ourselves. And, you know, I find it hard to believe that somebody with an Ivy League education who's not usually transparent is just going to all of a sudden up and slip up like that. You know, who's somebody who's made sure that he's been very cautious with the words that he used throughout his entire coaching career uh, to this point all of a sudden forgets those same um, concepts that he puts in place when he steps in front of a microphone and talks to a media. Uh, Mike, and I do think it's some discord there. I do think that there's a communication gap there. Um, is it the biggest thing in the biggest deal in the world? No, I think those things can be fixed with conversations and a plan in place, but you can clearly see there's a disconnect, you know, for Kevin Stefanski to go out there and say the things that he said, you know, we've asked Kevin Stefanski to be more transparent, and I guess you got to be careful what you ask for. But I am scratching my head to feel like, you know, why all of a sudden did he feel the need to, you know, be that straightforward with this particular situation, knowing how us in the media is going to react to anything that's involving or surrounding Deshaun Watson. And so those situations there are, are kind of like hair scratchers. And then to have Andrew Berry come out today and totally go against the grain of everything Kevin Stefanski said, um, you know, Bull and Jay went back and forth, said, you know, he was trying to clean it up. And you can try to clean it up all you want. What's said is said from what yeah. Watson said to Mary Kay on Friday to what we heard and what we seen on Sunday to what Kevin said Monday and to what AB said today. So, like, I don't really think it's much to clean up. We're going to talk about it. We're going to analyze it. Uh, I don't want to blow it out of proportion, but it is something to pay attention to. Uh, two things. One, it's the bye week. We need something to talk about. There's no game to preview. If Kevin Stefanski sneezes, it's a story in Cleveland. It is what it is. So people say we talk about stuff. We do too much with this, that. Listen, Browns rule the world here. If something happens with the Browns, we are going to talk about it. Let me, uh, let me preface this with this. I don't even necessarily believe what I'm about to say, but let me throw you guys a scenario and you tell me, could you see there being an inkling of truth here? Okay. So I'm not even saying I, I'm just going to give you a scenario. You guys tell me eh, it might be possible or McNuggets your way off here. After the game on Sunday, who do we all point the fingers at for the terrible offensive performance? I pointed it at Kevin Stefanski. Most people point yeah. at Stefanski for saying there was no game plan. You didn't have DTR ready. You didn't run mm -hmm. the ball. Most of the fingers were pointed at the head coach and not, the fifth round pick making his first career start. Is that, is that accurate? That's accurate. Yeah. So if you're Kevin Stefanski and you go home that night and all you hear, and whether you want to admit it or not, everyone hears everything. All these guys read stuff. Trust me. I can, I, I can tell you the Browns listen to UCSS. We have gotten calls after stuff we said, and they call and ask how we heard things. And, and trust me they listen and not just us, but the other stuff in the city. Like they can say they don't listen. They're listening. If you're Kevin Stefanski, and you're two and two now, and all the fingers are getting pointed at you, and you know your quarterback is not leaving for the next four years based on his contract. Is it possible that Kevin Stefanski was kind of fighting for his job there and saying, hey, the doctor said he could play. 
He I, listen, the doctor said he could play, so he played through a strained groin. He threw he played through a, a torn quad in Houston. He had a shoulder bruise, and the doctor said he could play, and, and now he didn't play. Like, don't put this on me. Is that is that possible? I'm not saying I believe that. I'm just saying, is that possible? That Stefanski said what he said because the man's intentional with his words. And usually mm -hmm. he's intentional by saying nothing. So mm -hmm. I have a hard time believing he said this unintentionally. I don't think it was a slip-up. I'm just asking, is that a possible situation of what happened here? I don't think it's far-fetched. Yeah. I don't think it's far-fetched, personally. I think it's very possible. I mean, let's just be honest. This is the same regime that allowed Baker Mayfield to make the choice about he was going to play. And then due to whatever own pettiness that he had, he allowed that man to stay out there week in and week out, knowing damn well that he was hurting himself and the team in the long run. And so, you know, could he be feeling like, you know, he's on a hot seat? Could he be feeling like his job is on the line? Possibly, but at the end of the day, no matter what Deshaun Watson said to Mary Kay Cabin on Friday that didn't come true on Sunday, you still a head coach. And you still let your backup quarterback go out there with a game plan that was not really catered not, to him. I, I am not let once again, that was just a theory. No, I'm just saying so not, like he's not off the hook for the blame. So, so what I what I what yeah. I'm saying is is like if if he's heard us on the post game show, if he heard Tyvis on the post game show that he was on, you know, if he if he heard Nick Camino and them uh <laughs> after yep. the game, then you know, of course he's gonna come back and say, Hey, look. <laughs> The man said he can play, but I got a question for y'all too. Sure. Just off that, hypothetically speaking, like if the man ain't throw a damn football all week long, like you know, we listed all the injuries that he he's played through. I don't recall Deshaun Watson playing through an injury in Houston that involved his throwing shoulder. If this dude can throw a football, you know, all week, and then he goes out there and warm up and he can't throw a ball past twelve yards, then. And what sense did it make for a doctor to clear him to play? That's what so, I, it's so many yeah. like it's so it's so many different, bro. I got so many questions, and can like I, we gonna try to get as many out tonight. I, I I actually know I know the answer to that. So when a doctor clears you to play, it is not. And Leroy kind of said this: being cleared to play doesn't mean you can play. Being cleared to play means you're not gonna hurt yourself more by playing. So you're cleared that. We feel confident that if you play, it's a pain tolerance thing, not a are you at risk to get more severely injured type deal. So I, I, being clear doesn't necessarily mean he was capable. Being clear means he was physically healthy enough to not get hurt again, if that makes sense. However, it befuddles me, and that's a word I've never used on the show, and I just used it, and I think I used it right, that if you did think Deshaun was going to play and you saw what he did in practice on Wednesday, a.k.a. nothing, mm -hmm. on Thursday, two throws, on Friday, just handoffs, on Saturday, I don't know, why would the, why would the game plan not involve more short, simple, quick passes? And, and I, as much as I want to crush them for not running the ball, and I do think they should have ran the ball more, they did attempt to run and had zero success running against Baltimore. The first run by Jerome Ford was a 26-yard run, got called back for holding. Their next six runs combined came out for 11 yards. That's 1.5 yards a carry. Like, that's not going to cut it against the top five run defense. Mm -hmm. But the planning is inexcusable from Stefanski in my mind. The planning was terrible. 
Oh, you can go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the, you always have to have a backup plan, even if Deshaun is healthy. Anything can happen during that game at any point, right? Mm-hmm. Do I think Stefanski was fighting for his job? He could have been. And I'll use myself, actually, here as an example. So when we make true and false, I tend to copy and paste all the questions straight from Mike's email onto the graphics. That's my easy way to do it. And it turns out both of us are terrible at spelling. So it's the blind leading the blind. But like it would be like if I went on the show or behind the glass, like it would just be like, look, it's all Mike's fault. Like it's on me to check that too, right? It's like, sure, Watson could be fine probably, but you still have to plan for him not to be. Especially you just lost your you just lost your star running back. You know that anything can happen at any point. It's football. Like you, you also have an offensive ready. line that hasn't blocked anybody all season. By the way, little tease for Friday. Yeah, I sent Ant the email already with the stats. I don't know if you took a look at it. I have not read it. I have done as of yet. Maybe the deepest dive into the Browns' offensive line I've seen anyone do so far. And the deeper you get in the analytics, the worse, the worse it gets. Uh, it 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 gets. It's bad. It's bad. I mean, Stephen Webb's comment real quick. Uh, the Browns don't run out of the shotgun, which is shocking because they hired a guy this offseason in Bill Bumgrave, <laughs> whose specialty was to help develop a running game out of the shotgun. They are the most predictable team in terms of what they run out of the shotgun. I don't have the numbers in front of me, Stephen. I'll find them for Friday for you. But uh, they are the single most – they either pass the ball or they run it behind Batonio. It's like 88% of their plays are one of those two categories out of shotgun. I think for me, you know, I'm looking at this situation and it's mind blowing because the one consensus about Andrew Berry and, and, and Kevin Stefanski as a tandem is this is a group that's always prepared. This mm-hmm. is a regime that has a plan A through Z all the time. And, you know, if I was to take anything away, my overall takeaway uh, from Andrew Berry's press conference today was a dude that was trying to save face but at the same time was very frustrated. You know what I mean? And I think that when he mentioned, you know, getting back to a certain type of consistency and standard, it sounds good on the surface, but, you know, you use the phrase deep dive. I mean, I'm just going through, you know, my memory just right here in the moment. And it's like, okay, well, what type of consistency and standard is it to get back to? Because like, I'm really, I'm, I'm, and I don't want to like knee jerk and I don't want to overreact, but I'm really starting to look at this thing and I got more questions than I got answers because well, now can I, can I ask I, you something on that exact thing, Earl? Yeah. So Barry said today during his, his presser, he essentially was like, Hey guys, be patient. Trust us. He's like, we got this right. That, yeah. that's, you're. And I say this in a good way as diehard a Browns fan as I've met in the city. What have they done to make you feel confident you can trust them to get back to any level of any standard of success when it's been one playoff season and two losings? Like, how could in year four the general manager sit up in front of a fan base with a roster that is Super Bowl quality? I don't care what anyone said. If Bull wants to disagree, Bull's wrong. It's a Super Bowl caliber Mm -hmm. roster. It is. And say, be patient. Like, we'll figure it out. I feel like the patience here in Cleveland with this regime and the talent on this roster, where they're at the, in their careers, like mm-hmm. there, there's no more time to be patient. Like the time is now. I, I think the patience is running thin. And, and this is the thing that I, I paid attention to. This is the, you know, he does the state of address uh, at the bye week every year. And then at the end of the season, the week after the season ends every single year. 
And this is the first time that I can remember him being so transparent. And the rally call for the fans to just hang in there. And this is like, you know, G is the one who typically used the relationship analogies, right? But before you all ever met me, man, I've been a fan of the Browns before I started pursuing this professionally. And like for most people, man, the Browns is pretty much your, your longest relationship of any kind in this city. But it's starting to look at, I think a lot of people are starting to look at this relationship with the Browns like, okay, is this a healthy relationship that we just need to kind of overcome some adversity with? Or is this a toxic relationship that we go in getting our hopes up, expecting the same thing over and over and constantly being let down? And for Andrew Barry to kind of call for the fans to be like, you know, hanging there with us, it seemed like they know they didn't messed up. That's and I took it too. They Thank just they, they just need you to hold on. Like I I like like now all of a sudden they feeling like, okay, I'm about to lose my girl. You know what I mean? Let me do whatever I got to do to try to try to make sure everything. It's the equivalent cool. of that, like Tuesday night steak dinner. When yeah, you really, you really can't afford the flaming yam, but you know if you go to steakhouse on a Tuesday, they get they get the neighbor discount. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a crazy analogy, man. But that's what it felt like because again, this is a dude who who really don't say much. He don't really give you too much, and he let it be known, like, hey, listen, I got a lot to say. Before you ask me anything, I got I got stuff I need to get off my chest. And I just thought that was very odd because I've never seen him approach a situation like that before. And so that tells me, like, yeah, they they feeling the heat. They feeling it, and they hear the noise, no matter how much they might want to say that they don't. And so this bye week, I think, honestly, even though it's early, it came at the right time because I think this team does need to sit, kind of like, you know, let the emotions subside, kind of recheck. Uh, reset, get a reality check, and then try to see how we can move forward. And how this team, like, you know, responds to the adversity and how this team communicates from the top of the organization to the last player on the roster going forward after the bye week, it's going to be a telltale sign and not just if the Browns can make the playoffs or not. I see we got a couple of questions here real quick that we're going to answer. These are football related before we move on. We got a bunch of Cavs behind the scenes stories from Media Day we, uh, we want to share, but I saw something about Jed Wills. Um, here, here it is. It's from uh, Will Williams. Why hasn't Kevin put Jed Wills on the hot seat or benched him? The guy is getting people hurt, disrupting the timing of offense. No competent coach would allow this. The reality of the NFL, as bad as Jed Wills is, and I, I'm not in practice. I don't see it every day. They must believe whoever's behind him is even worse. There's, there's, well, uh, whoever it is, it could be. Me, I, me, I didn't convince myself the same thing. Like they, clearly, they, it ain't no, it ain't no better. Practice that <laughs> they that they're not comfortable, and people keep asking to move Dewan Jones to left tackle. I've never played offensive line in my. I just a lie. I played in second grade, got my ass kicked every single play. That's why I didn't play football <laughs> any further. So I did play offensive line, but I don't know what I'm talking about in terms of like steps. People who are much smarter than me, who have played offensive line at the highest level, have said asking a guy of Dewan Jones's size to switch mid-season his step and his footwork, his steps and, and footwork, is damn near impossible. It's an off-season task. It's something he's going to need time to do. And asking him to do that mid-season is going to end up in even more of an issue in terms of pass protection. So unfortunately, I think the Browns are stuck with their tackles this season. I'm not quite sure there's a fix. And that's terrifying because, like I said, I'm teasing Friday. As you're going to find out, 
the deeper you go into the numbers, the worse mm-hmm. and worse it looks. And it's not just the tackles. It's all five guys. Mike, I you just read I your wish. email, and it's horrifying. I just you know what I wish? Yeah. And it's funny because we, we get the communication uh, emails from the Browns as well. Uh, just a little bit of stuff behind the scenes. Like, we have the ability to show up. We just don't have the manpower to show up. But it made me think of something that if I was in that room, um, I would have asked Andrew Berry, Andrew, do you regret your first ever draft not drafting a natural left tackle versus drafting a right tackle, turn, trying to turn him into a left tackle? You know, and I'm not trying to make any excuses for Jed Wills whatsoever, but I'm just wondering, like, was him trying to make that switch a bit too much? You know, was it something that, you know, it just seems like it's something that he just can't do? And again, I I try to keep 71 out my mouth because at this point, anything I say, that's bully behavior. I do not. I am not a bully. I don't like bullies. Me and bullies, we got issues. So. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, if if I was given the opportunity to ask Andrew Berry a question, that would be the question I would ask him. Like, do you regret not drafting a, a natural left yeah. tackle versus taking a guy that play right right tackle and trying to turn him into a left tackle? Uh, two things real quick. We'll move on. Uh, Danny McCall says, I played offensive line at Heidelberg University. I can tell you firsthand it's the hardest thing a lineman can do, and that's in terms of switching your footwork midseason if you're accustomed to one way. I think on paper it sounds easy just to switch DeJuan Jones to left tackle, but I think in execution it's actually much harder, especially on the fly. What's up, bro? My cousin, uh, Quentin Rimbert, played uh, at Heidelberg. He, I think he was a left guard. What year? What year? Uh, Danny, what year did you play? I can't remember. But Text your cousin. I mean, I said his name, so like if he, yeah, he, he would know what I'm talking about. And, yeah. and secondly, it's funny. So that draft class with the four tackles that went high, Andrew uh-huh. Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, Jed Wills and Makai Becton. Two of those guys have turned into two of the best tackles in football. Andrew Thomas yeah. is an absolute stalwart for the Giants. Tristan, Tristan Wirfs might be the best of the bunch. Might be the might be the best in football. And then Makai Becton and Jed Wills have been absolute. Yeah. It's been as as good as those two have been. The other two have been equally as bad, which is uh, it just goes to show scouting is such a crapshoot that those four guys were. It, that going into the draft, so the Giants took Andrew Thomas first, mm-hmm. the, the highest of the of the four. And I was like, dude, I don't know who I like out of these guys. Like, you you listen to every analyst; they had a different ranking of the four. Some guys like Thomas, some guys like Worth, some guys like Wills. There's a few people who were betting on Becton because he had the the size and stature that none of the other guys did. And two of them have been great, and two of them have frankly been not good at all. So. It, it's such a crapshoot. It's such a crapshoot. But yeah, little tease for Friday. Do you guys want one one nugget? You want one early nugget on this offensive line deep dive? And should I give them one nugget? Yeah, I'm not going to give them one nugget. I mean, this is a show that you're a co-host of. This is not the show that you are the producer of. Me, so you can't get your own show a nugget. You're gonna say all your nuggets for the for the for the Friday show and you on your own damn show. Can we at least get some sauce with the nugget too? Give me an offensive lineman. I'll give you a nugget on on that player. Uh, why you tell her? All right, Wyatt Teller. All right, you know what? I'll, I'll save the individual ones. I'll give you this uh, this stat. So we talk about the offensive line as a whole and how this year we think they've taken a step back. And we talked about, has Nick Chubb kind of hid the warts of this offensive line for the last few years? Are you guys ready for these numbers? Yeah, In 2022, Cleveland Brown ball carriers had an average of 2.48 yards per yards per carry before contact 
So before they got touched, almost two and a half yards. In 2021 and 2020, that number was exactly the same, 2.39. So Mm -hmm. just again, almost two and a half yards without contact. Now this year, the number's up to 2.72, which is more. And you're like, how's that possible? Well, it's inflated because Jerome Ford's 69-yard run against Pittsburgh, he did not technically get touched until he was tackled. So if you take out that one run, which I know, yeah, take out one, it changes everything. Without that one run, Earl, the Browns are at 2.001. Almost half a yard difference between the last three seasons and this season in running back yards per contact. Now, what does that mean? That's a foot and a half of running backs to make a move, make a guy miss, break out into the hole and do something. It may not seem like a lot, but that's almost 18% difference from the last three years to this year and how much uh, running backs had a chance to operate before they were contacted. The 2.001 is also in the bottom seven in the league. So we'll, we'll get to all that and more on can Friday. I, can I respond off of that real quick? Please. So uh, Andrew Barry did a second interview. He was on 92.3 The Fan with uh, Dustin Fox and Nick Wilson. And he uniquely described Nick Chubb as a unicorn. He said he was one-on-one, dude is a unicorn. He talked about the backs that's in the in the you know on the team now and how those guys have a skill set to complement each other. I've been saying this and I'm gonna keep saying it, man. I don't know what the recovery from this injury looked like, but Andrew Berry speaks of Nick Chubb like he doesn't view Nick Chubb like any other running back in the NFL. And when you present factual numbers like that, it goes to show how much of a unicorn Nick Chubb is. It goes to show how much Nick Chubb's play has hidden offense, a uh, horrible offensive line play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's how good he is that he's hiding how bad the offensive line is played. Um, you know, some people in the chat, maybe you can go back in your head and try to visualize this, but I've seen a drastic change in the offensive line the moment that Deshaun Watson took over as the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. The offensive line was not this bad throughout the first 11 games with Jacoby Brissett back there. And I think that Deshaun Watson's style of play doesn't necessarily complement how some of these offensive linemen play football. Like Wyatt Teller was regarded as one of those offensive linemen in the city of Cleveland that had a big name, somebody that was considered the best right guard in all of football. And ever since Deshaun Watson has stepped on the field, he's looked worse and worse and worse with every passing game. And I don't know if many people have paid that any attention. And you can say that about a lot of different offensive linemen. And I don't know how that issue can be fixed. I don't know if it's something that, you know, the analytics department can go in and do an assessment of. But And I could just be flat out crazy. But I'm just going off of what my eyes have seen since he's taken over uh, during the Texas game last year and to now, and it just seemed like certain the offensive line and their skill set and what their strengths are doesn't necessarily match up with Deshaun Watson's skill set and his strengths. And we can talk about all this money being spread around, but we got a damn expensive offensive line, regardless of contracts being restructured or not. And so when Andrew Barry is assessing this roster going forward, then, you know, while you spending all this much money elsewhere, maybe you don't you don't need to be spending that type of money on your offensive line. Maybe you need to check a different type of resource. You did get lucky enough, and it seems like even though he's a raw talent that needs some development with his technique and his skills, but it seemed like you hit 
on Dewan Jones in the fourth round, and you got lucky doing that. So, yeah, Sam Monson from PFF was on Tuesday. He kind of explained Deshaun Watson holds onto the ball for a long time, and that mm-hmm. makes him great. And it's also what leads to a ton of sacks. It's the beauty and the curse of Deshaun Watson. And that's not going to change. Let's talk a little basketball here, guys. We were lucky enough to be out at Cavs Media Day on Monday. Shout out to the Cavs for giving us our own booth, hooking us up. I think we ended up talking to 12 players, two executives, and a head coach, which was uh, pretty phenomenal. We apo- Let me just say this. We apologize for the audio. I know it sucked. We all know it sucked. Uh, we had $320 worth of external mics, and they sounded like $0.32. Cents. Uh, we are working on that. We've already done some deep dives into how to increase and improve our audio for next time. But uh, we appreciate anyone who did stick through and bear with us. Cause I think the content and some of the stuff we got from the players was really, really, really good. And I want to start with Donovan Mitchell Earl, who for anyone who doesn't know, when we got to talk to Donovan last year, as he was walking in him and Earl dapped up and it was the dap heard around Cleveland. It was the dap heard around the two one six. It was the, <laughs> The best dap I've ever seen. And Donovan, who we then saw again at Greg Newsom's softball game, remembered us. And then yesterday, or Monday at Media Day, came up, dapped up early again. And I don't know if they've seen each other since. I don't know if this is the third time they've interacted. But you would think these two are boys from back in like 1994, by the way. The handshake chemistry was working. Or I was I even honestly, got, I was impressed. <laughs> I even got an exclusive with Donovan Mitchell at the uh, Greg Newsom uh softball game man. and i told you mike hey and so like i uh like we was talking about you know the home run derby and mm-hmm. when he walked up i was i was telling mike before he got there i said you know like spider broke a couple car windows he like yeah we heard he did so uh, i thought it was forced so like i'm like man would you tell this man he broke some car windows he like no i broke two one was a cop car <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh for real like yeah one was a cop car They're like the city on my ass right now trying to give me the paperwork yeah, I like I wasn't there with you guys, but I was very happy the microphone worked for Donovan because I thought his interview was like the most real we had the whole day. And I thought he said some really awesome stuff. Like we may have the to accountability. Back, we may have to go back and clip him and Garland and just post them as separate entities because those two mm-hmm. interviews did come out good. One thing Mitchell said, or two things he said, but I want to start with this one. And, and this is a good talking point. And then we'll tell you some behind the scenes stories from me today, because trust me, there there are a couple of good ones. But I asked Donovan, I was like, hey man. Not to not to hammer home something you already know, but you didn't play great in the playoffs last year. The team didn't perform. You're not a rookie by any means, but you want to be considered and put in that conversation of the best players in the NBA, the best two guards. Like, is this any extra motivation? And you could kind of tell when a player BSs through an answer or when they're kind of genuine and, and mean it. And Donovan flat out, you know, he said shit three times in the answer, which <laughs> means he's comfortable enough with us, which was always a compliment. Anytime we get an athlete a curse, like I take that as a compliment. But he pretty much said early, he's like, dude, we can either dwell on it or we could look ahead. He's like, it's over. It's in the past. Like I can't change how I played against New York. We can't change how we played against the Knicks. They beat us. Kudos to them. But we're looking ahead at the future, and I think we have the pieces now to compete with the best teams in the East. It is what it is. You know, I'm a man that – I want to prove by my actions that I'm better than what I showed. And when you hear a guy say that, I I didn't take it as just lip service. Like, Mm. I feel like Donovan Mitchell, with all the outside noise, with all the outside conversations about his contract, genuinely feels to me like he's coming in here 
to make a point this season in Cleveland. And as anyone who likes the Cavs, anyone who's a fan, that should be exciting because you have a guy who plays as hard as anyone in the league, as any superstar in the league, for a majority of the games, which is a rarity in today's NBA, who I think is out to prove that, you know, last season in the playoffs was was more of a fluke than a norm. So this was my fourth overall interaction with Donovan Mitchell, my third professional interaction with Donovan Mitchell. I ain't saying I know the man like that. Mike, you're not saying you know the man like that. But I've been around Donovan Mitchell en- enough to get a good feel for, you know, who he is and how he is, right? And, like, Mike, I was running the cameras. First of all, y'all, that's the first time I ever did camera work. We're going to get back to that. You later. did great. <laughs> but, um, you know, just to hear how he answered that question, the tone of voice, the passion that he answered it with, the body language, um, this dude is a man on a mission. At the end of the series last year, I said that Donovan Mitchell and Isaac Okoro was the two people on the team that I felt like took full responsibility and accountability for how they played during that season, during that series. Donovan Mitchell said that's the leader of his team. Like, you know, he shit the bed, and this is something that he can't do. And the one thing that I paid attention to that I know you paid attention to as well is, you know, the dudes that's on his team now, the shooters that's on his team, uh, the guys that we brought in to kind of help create space and open up things, the lane more for him and uh, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell recruited those guys. Yep. Donovan yep. Mitchell, like, you know, hey, come play with me. We right there on the cuffs. We believe we got something great. And so the fact that Donovan Mitchell, who there's a lot of speculation about his long-term future in Cleveland, this is a dude who knows, okay, I got some, I got a squad. And he basically let us know. He felt like he yeah. has a squad. And for all the talk about the Boston Celtics and the, and the Milwaukee Bucks, we had him and other players say, yeah, they got to see us too. And for him to go out and personally recruit those particular shooters to come play with him, it does seem like he's a man on a mission. It does seem like he's a man that's invested in this basketball team and trying to advance this team further in the playoffs than what we were last year. You know, and as far as like when anything looks like going forward, I appreciate that man being all in now while he's under contract now and putting forth the effort both on the court and off the court to help make this team better and get this team to the next level. And, like, that's something that can't be overlooked. He said, and and I want you to chime in in a sec, but to the topic of contract extensions Cleveland, he said, listen, I can't predict the future. Who knows what's going to happen? But I can tell you right now, point blank period, I'm happy in Cleveland. He's like, I'm really not looking ahead. And do I fully believe him? Eh, no. Like, everyone looks ahead, especially if you have a $300 million contract coming your way in a year from some team. But I do believe he genuinely likes being in Cleveland. I don't think there's any anti-Cleveland sentiment in Donovan's DNA. And whether or not he resigns or not, I think it's going to be a basketball decision, not a, not, not a destination decision, because Cleveland has provided him all the opportunities to win at the highest level. He recruited guys here that he likes to play with. Him and George Niang go back to Utah. Him and Max Drews have played together on, on AAU circuits, not AAU circuits, uh, on summer ball circuits for the last three years. He's familiar with their games. He's familiar with them. And the connection between him and Darius Garland, and we'll talk about that in a sec, is mm-hmm. uh, is blossoming into something I think has a chance to be pretty damn special this year. Ant? Yeah, no, I think it's hard to get excited because I'm kind of in the boat with everybody. I don't think he's going to come back. I don't think he's going to resign. And I think it's because of the LeBron effect. LeBron left us twice. 
Like I understand he didn't it's resign with us way. twice. It's fair. Like so, as a Cavaliers fan and as a Cleveland native, like I get it. We're scared. Like we have this awesome star, and we don't think he's going to stick around. And you know something? I'm just going to enjoy it this season while it lasts. That's kind of my thing. I, I hope we go far into the playoffs, and I hope he stays, and I hope we can pay him the money that he wants to stay here. But you can't be upset if he does go. For me, I look at it like this: if if the Cavaliers, you know, can put it all together. And, and take the next step forward as a basketball team, I don't think he's going anywhere. I know what Jason has said. I know what uh, Brian Windhorst has said. I know the, what other reporters have said about Donovan Mitchell's long-time, long-time future here. But I'm not even speaking, like, you know, on a record, Cavs media day. Like, you know, I, I talk – we talk to people. Like, we are blessed to have earned so much respect and credibility that we got real sources. Donovan Mitchell really loves the city of Cleveland. This is no exaggeration. This is not even, I'm not even being funny right now. Like he really loves this city. You know, he's like every other person that visits the city. You don't know much about Cleveland. You get here and you're like, damn, Cleveland ain't that bad. Damn. I can breathe here. Damn, man. It's real fandom here. Damn. The food is great here. Hold up. Like, man, what? They got this lakefront. They got this to do. You mean to tell me I can just drive to Aurora Farms and I can go shop wherever I want. Damn. Cleveland really ain't that bad. So when it comes to the city itself, he has no problem with our city. He enjoys being in the city of Cleveland. It's like Ant said, it's going to come down to basketball. What type of team has Kobe Altman put together? How has J.B. Bickerstaff coached his team? How are you using the rotation? How was the new pieces in place complementing his game? How is the pieces complementing uh, Darius Garland's game? It's, it's Evan Mobley, and That's we ain't even it. got to this part yet. That's it, Earl. It's Evan Mobley, bing, 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 like, bing. like ready to take that next step. And me and, and me and Mike got some information for you. The 22-year-old is so mature and so vested in his career. The man went and built the own gym in his home. The man got his own nutrition system now. So if all these things that come that has to do with basketball continue to come together, I find it hard to believe that he's going to leave this situation. Everybody can keep claiming New York as a as a destination situation, but what they gonna do? They gonna keep rolling out three or four guards that's the same size too? Like, come on, now. What's yeah. up, Bull? We see it. Bull, how's your arm doing? <laughs> we'll get we'll get an update from Bull. We'll do a. Bull little came arm. on the snow. Some What's up, Bull? some people uh, did ask who won. Mike, we'll, do you wanna? We'll do it at the end. We'll say it okay. at the end. Whoa, whooped here. your ass. That's what happened. He whooped your ass. That's whoa, exactly whoa, what happened. As the referee, yes. I don't know if we're going to yes. go. Bull did win. Bull did yes. win. Uh, I think it was a little iffy at the end. I do still believe his elbow came up, which was the uh, the death blow. Man, but, I watched uh, the tape twice, man. I sent it back to New York for further review. <laughs> like, it's inconclusive, dude. It's, it's, elbow was up. It's hey. hard to say. No, it's not reviewable. Well, if, it, if it's not reviewable, then, um, then Bull wins. Yeah. Hey, hey, Bull, Bull, at the end of the day, Bull beat me. Like it's true, he did. He did beat me. I do think he got he it. on our ass already. You see him? He got he talking big stuff. He talking big stuff already. Let us leave. <laughs> You're a hey, hey. We, we have not. You? We have not done anything that's not fair, Bull. All we said about the Cavs is I think Donovan Mitchell is on a mission. Evan Mobley built a home gym. Is put on. He said seven pounds of muscle. We saw him. If that's seven pounds of muscle, then I don't know what the hell. Seven pounds is for someone else. He looked like he was significantly in better shape than he was uh, at any point last season. And I got to sit for the Nuggets game. Kudos to Anthony for being sick that night or for having a birthday or for whatever no, reason. It was a but, birthday party that I didn't uh, want to go to. Anthony's friend got him tickets, and then he's like, can't go. You want him? And we got upgraded to courtside. And, you know, that's as close to 
an NBA player as I've ever sat, and he was not that big. He, he was just not that big last year. This year, walking through media day, clearly looked like he was in better shape. I also want to talk about something Darius Garland said. My favorite soundbite from the entire uh, media day. We talked to George Niang, and we asked him, what's it like playing with Donovan Darius for the first time? And he said, well, the best part about playing with Darius is I don't have to guard him on national TV. That blew my mind. I'm and I was like, what, what do you mean? So when Darius came over, we obviously had to ask Darius, Darius, what have you done to, to George? And you guys played each other in practice yet? And uh, hey, first off, Darius laughed and was like, no, nah, we haven't played against each other. But now that I know that, I'm going to have to bust his ass every time. And, <laughs> and the pure joy, like, at media day, it's it's mostly all lip service. Like the reality is it's mostly lip service. Every team feels like they're confident. Every team feels like they're in a great position to win. The Thunder, when they were tanking, were like, this is our year not to tank. And then two games in, they're like, we're going to rest all our guys. So a lot of what you get from media day is just kind of vibes. And from Darius Garland, when he said that, to see him laugh, to see him like give a genuine smirk to, hey, I'm about to destroy George in practice. I think there's the inklings of a really high chemistry team here. It was already high chemistry last year, and the guys they've added with a little more maturity. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see that aspect of the team. I think the coolest thing about the uh, I don't know if you peep, uh, it was some trash talk going on after he left the set. Like you know, I asked him, a, yeah, like I asked him the final question. You made a statement like, you know, this is two of the men with some of the best here in the city. He was like, man, stop playing with my, my hair the best. I said, you know damn well my hair the best. Like, <laughs> like, like, like for real. Like, like if, if me, what, who, uh, uh, Imani, Alex Wright, David, MJ, um, like media members, players, like, come on, man, y'all, y'all know what's going on. See, this is, this is the thing. I got a great <laughs> chance to direct media day and i miss out on all the fun while you're actually there yeah he, he was well, like he was like man stop playing with my, speak, my hair the best. I'm like, speaking of on, hair <laughs> you want to tell the sam merrill story oh, oh man look like twins <laughs> you guys could be long lost brothers so, so listen how, how it goes uh you know they each have a, li- a liaison that walks around with them to fulfill their media obligations they come to each booth uh you know, I, we try to keep them for no more than five minutes. They got a lot of people they got to see. And Sam walks over, and the person that he was with, she goes, you know, him and McNuggets look like twins. <laughs> they get to arguing about three-point shots. When, when I tell you, like, the whole media day was like a, just a vibe, just a chill vibe. And they really, like, and they really remembered me and Mike. Like, this was, like, they Craig, really oh, remember us. Craig Porter Jr. came up and just dapped us up before he even sat down with us. Yeah, before he even be sat honest, down. I think, like, I don't know. I don't want to turn around toot our own horn here but I, I think they watch more than they'll let on and i mean we had a lot of fun last year like when we went last year and you know yeah. earl was grabbing guys and mike was interviewing them it was a fun time like the, the Cavs, no matter what they are a good group of guys like there yeah. there's not a single bad egg on the team i guess you could say there are Thank definitely you. some who didn't didn't remember us what akuro did right. not remember us whatsoever at all yeah and the I fact like, that anybody remembers us <laughs> like i'll tell yeah, you that, that's true no we've definitely made some headways uh kobe altman is, is first uh, interview our first yeah, interview yeah. last year was sharif cooper our first interview this year was kobe altman we went from kobe came to a long way. back to back did kobe even yeah. talk to us last year i know he talked to jason uh, he, he did, he did talk to us because Brad, okay. I don't Brad remember. tracked him down. A yeah. um, couple more stories 
from Media Day, then we'll answer it. We got a great viewer question. Do you have any, any other viewer questions about some behind-the-scenes uh, stories we would love to – behind the scenes of UCSS, we will absolutely uh, answer them real quick. We got one from Evan419, but uh, anything else you see in there, Ant, let us know. Yeah, I'll keep So Tristan out. Thompson is back. And Tristan Thompson, you guys all remember, won a championship here. He was at ESPN. He bounced around to the Lakers, Was been all over the place since. And uh, we asked Darius what it's like playing. What's the difference in Tristan Thompson now versus then? And this was off camera afterwards. And he goes, well, Tristan's got a dad bod now, and he was in shape in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, that, I thought that was a great answer. Uh, Craig Porter Jr. came out, dapped us up, hung out with us again. We told Brad – that his player comp was Rondo and Dwight Howard combined. Uh, and both, am I just, yeah, there's a dog running around the patio right in front of me. So I'm watching a dog run around play fetch. <laughs> I have a very short attention span. Uh, we told Bo, uh, Brad that Craig Porter Jr.'s player comp was Rondo and Dwight Howard, and Brad almost fell out of his chair. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Literally almost fell out of his chair. That was that was a classic moment. Uh I left the camera upstairs. Yeah, we walked in the stadium. We go down and set up the cameras. And I'm like, Earl, where's your camera? He's like, You have one job, Earl. I was like, Where? I don't know where it is. I'm like, You were carrying, bro. You better know where it is. Look, Especially because that's a camera we were borrowing from KYC. I had I had the tripod and I had my computer. I hook up the tripod. I hook up the uh, computer right away with a camera. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and that dog don't be like, I grabbed everything with the camera. So when I went upstairs and got it. Um, the late the nice lady that checked us in, she was really sweet to me and Mike. By the way, you she actually laughed at me. She was like, "Slow down there, young man." She was like, "You gonna get it together?" I said, "I think this is the most important part of it all." So it <laughs> was uh, I was nervous, man. They spelled Earl's name wrong for the second again, year. second year in a row. They didn't spell my, it's spell my name. It's the only thing. Classic. It's the only thing they haven't done right for us. The the Cavs have legitimately hooked us up. Uh, I can tell you, we got. I don't want to give names away, but between Earl and myself, we got. A couple numbers from guys who are, uh, well, let's say well connected. Let's just say well connected. Yeah. Is that appropriate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, well connected. Maybe some players, maybe some execs. But uh, my contact got, list has definitely grown over the last week. We got, I, yeah, we we de- we definitely have increased our ability. Uh, no, I, I can't tell you guys what happened. No, we, we can't. We can't say that. Can't tell out. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get to that. What we have a guest who was going to come on the show today. We're not gonna tell oh, you who. Yeah, I promise you, he will come on the show at some point, and he better. I made the graphics for him. No, he he, he will. I, I have the utmost confidence. It's not a Cav, but uh, a big time guest that I know you guys are gonna enjoy hearing from. He had a medical thing today, but he will come on. Last media day story, Earl, and then we'll wrap up. Oh, Bull wants to hop in. Uh, and we send Bull the link. Uh yeah, let me remember how to yeah, do Bull, that. Yeah, Bull, we'll get you in. Quick. Hold on, we'll absolutely get you in here. Please hold, Bull. Uh, Bull, check your email. Anthony's gonna send you the link. Go ahead. Uh, just go ahead. Last media day story before we get to the questions, because I know one of them at least from Evan involves Bull, and he uh, I don't even know if he knows the answer. I don't even know if Bull knows the answer to the question we're about to ask him. But we're at media day. We're walking around, and my guy Chase from Press Play Pods. Comes up and dasks me up. What's up, man? And I'm sitting with Brad and we're talking. And we're having a conversation. And I'm trying to, like, 
notify him that hey, we're on the air right now because we did we did two hours straight. Like there was no breaks. Wait, no real breaks. quick, is this the guy who just like walked right in front of the camera shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. I was very confused. Uh, nobody knew that we were just live for two hours straight because most of the people next to us are radio. You know, you do a hit, you commercial. Well, UCS does it bigger, better than everyone else. So we do two hours straight. So there was a part of the show where I had a three-minute conversation with someone who you guys couldn't hear because he wasn't mic'd up. You know, the mics barely worked anyway. And afterwards, I go over. I'm like, it's all good, man. No worries. I think he apologized 50 times. And Chase is, the, Chase is a great dude. Check out Press Play Pods with Chase. He does a really good job. Chase Bryce's last name. Really, really good job. But uh, he came up and was like, I can't believe you guys went two hours live. What kind of psychos do that? And I was like, us, <laughs> us, kind, us kind of psychos. We do that. We do that. So um, with We that, in the studio all night like Lil Wayne in 06. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I, I see two questions in here. If anyone else has a behind-the-scenes question about Media Day about UCSS, about any of the guys in the show, we'll get to that. But I'll answer the first one while we're waiting to get Bull in here. Um, would love to hear the story of how McNuggets got his name on the third show, third ever UCSS. So that would have been May 9th was the first day. So May 11th of last year, we had Joe Thomas on for the first time. And we did a top five cheeses with Joe Thomas. And I said pepper jack cheese was my fifth answer. Like fifth best cheese was pepper jack. And Joe was like, that's such a generic answer. But what would I expect from a from a producer named what's your name again? Mikey McNuggets. And it kind of just <laughs> it kind of just stuck. And we were looking for a nickname because producer Mike is so boring and forgettable. And when you're when you're in a new city, like you know, I wanted someone a little more catchy. Like I'm a, I'm a normal sized white guy with normal hair. There's nothing special about me. If my name was Mike, everyone forget I exist. So that's how McNuggets uh, came to be, and I've now fully embraced it. And I actually, I, I would love to get a McNugget T-shirt. I would love. <laughs> I, I think I could. I could push some serious McNuggets merch if we ever came out with a McNuggets line. I think. Uh, I think that at that point too, we were just calling you like tenders or something like mikey tenders <laughs> they yeah. called him tender yeah oh yeah yeah it was, we, it was really bro, we went through like six nicknames <laughs> from the beginning of i had just met mike i knew mike for like i don't know four days in total and they were calling mike all sorts <laughs> of shit. Yeah, it was, like, it was, hey we got we got bull here so let's bring on our, our guest tenders is the only up, one that i think made it to the air what's hey, up bull? fellas Hey, Bull, how the hell you was letting people call him Tenders? It was still the best one we came up with. What's that? Before they was calling Mike Tenders before he was McNuggets. I don't think I was calling you that. Jay Jay was the the leader of the Tenders Brigade, which uh, never caught on. No, no, that was bad. (laughs) Yeah, it was bad. bad. By the way, you guys, I mean, you're out of control with your name dropping the three of you right now. Like bragging about all the connections you have oh, i mean i was in the studio by myself the only name i, I can drop is jake that's Crawford. true i mean listen i'm glad you guys have made connections and i know you have but like the you know you got to be cool about it guys i mean you can't be bragging about how many connections listen, you made bro, we're not we're not <laughs> bragging about connections we are validating why people should listen to us but they should they know that already you don't need to, to tell them about your connections if they can't tell just by listening then f them we, we love everybody, Bull. We love everybody. Stop, hey, Tempe, stop it. Bull is a middle-aged man yelling at clouds. Stop it. I'm looking out for you guys. I don't care uh, about Tempe. Tempe, you're a hater. 
Uh, Paul, so we do have a question. Hey, can I, can I shout out uh, Jamie from GV Artwork today? Yeah, who, uh, yeah. Who saw me. I was having breakfast, and she came up to my table, and she was so excited to meet me, and she was really nice. I invited her to sit down, and then I invited her boss to sit down, and uh, we might do something with them at some point. But uh, she was very nice and a huge, huge fan of the show, and she might even be watching right now. Jamie, so. well, shout out to Jamie. Jamie, tell your boss to answer her message. I left a message on your Yeah, boss she'll get back phone. to you. Jamie once sprinted said. across, uh, sprinted like across like the concourse of a hockey game to say hi to me. And like, you got Taylor Swift number at? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, hold wait, on. I do. Hold on. Oh, I just you know another Cleveland guy. You know, I, don't speak, worry about it. Speaking of name drops, I heard Bull was getting lunch at the Sleepy Rooster with Halle Berry the other day. Bull, yeah. wow, just I. <laughs> That's true. That okay. Not lunch. <laughs> you don't. It's breakfast at the Sleepy Rooster. Brunch. Uh, but we, we do have a question for you specifically. Yeah. And before I answer, because I do know the answer, mm-hmm. I'm curious if you do. This from Evan419. Yeah. Who Shout out to Evan. Shout, Evan's a, yeah. Ev, I love Evan. Evan's He's a, a good man. Guy. Like 90% of our fans, the 10% of their haters, they can go to hell, but they <laughs> won't. They'll keep watching Evan. anyway. I could tell you, like, Evan, like family, because, like, me and Evan was getting into it last Sunday doing a Browns uh, post game show, and like we we just like back like nothing ever happened. That's right. Evan, can, <laughs> That's right. Evan go ahead. did a comedy show too, so we actually Evan, we, Evan we runs our fantasy football, football league for the fans. Oh yeah, he did. Oh really? I, I get update yeah. my team. Oh, we have a we have a fan league. There's there's like ten or nine or ten members in there, and then it's me, Mike, and Earl are in there too. Oh really? How I think did I, I just know lost about the this. Mic. Yeah, they they. It I was, didn't know about it until the last second either. Bull, don't worry about it. it was, no, it I just mean, why did you guys tell me about it? Like already oh not to be in it it. just uh just to know what's going on you gotta be more in the loop all right here's a question from evan i'm out of the loop who was responsible for emptying bull's puke from the trash can oh i don't know how the hell would i know that bull did leave right after i I do know the answer was it was it director i'm gonna say steve i'm steve the director steve uh incorrect it's actually a funny answer earl you want to take a guess and it wasn't me I do everything. I was, I was clipping me. the show. So <laughs> yeah, Earl was upstairs that day. What or weren't you? No, I was downstairs. I was just clipping uh, the show. So do you guys remember? After it happens, we go to break. It's probably the last break we've ever taken on UCSS. I don't think we've actually taken a break <laughs> since that day. And we pulled the trash can out as far into the corner by the gym as we could. Like just get it away. <laughs> well, afterwards, I was like, Steve, I'm not touching that. And Steve's like, I'm not touching that. So we called Herbie to call uh, call Dwayne. So Dwayne, who shout out Dwayne, the custodian at Channel 3, came down and he's like, I get paid a 50 extra. I don't know why I'm doing a Southern accent, but he's like, I get paid 50 bucks for cleaning up puke. This is awesome. So he bagged it. He really gets paid extra for cleaning up puke? For cleaning up puke, yeah. So, Bull, you you help make Dwayne's day. Should I throw up more often to get him some some, some more money? No, absolutely not. No, uh, wanna, I'm trying to get, make the man some money, Earl. Don't yeah, rush him that. You want another funny behind the scenes story about the puke? Yeah. So I hope I can say this. I'm going to say it. Don't worry, but I hope I can say this. Yeah. Our show also airs on WKYC Plus, the app, every day. And I don't think throwing up technically breaks FCC rules, but it's certainly not encouraged by the people at Channel 3. So we had a call oh. after that show bowl. Yeah. About should we take the full show off, edit the puke <laughs> out, and just come back? 
That is that person should be fired, honestly. Or, Come on now. Or do we leave it in? And I believe, I believe. So the YouTube version we didn't touch. The YouTube yeah. version we stayed up. They took it out the. Uh... I believe we took that show off. Oh my god, that was hilarious though. I, think, I mean, I not at the time had, for me, but. I think I had to clip it like a special way that day because <laughs> I, they didn't I, want it on the app. Yeah, we stopped. That's but... so dumb. <laughs> Uh, creative juice, it, I like that. I don't think it would have been creative, bad. I love creative juice. If That's Steve a good one. Adam the Hurl. If Steve I was that day. The camera. <laughs> that was a rough time. Yeah. Uh, I should not have come into work that day. And for anyone who forgets, Bull, this was the day after the Browns beat Baker Mayfield and the, and the uh, Carolina Panthers week one. The Bengals had lost, and Bull texted me that morning. Dude, I feel like absolute dog crap. I can't come in. I'm sorry. And then texted me about 30 minutes later. I can't let Jay walk on Baker's grave without me. I gotta be there. I gotta be there. And then came in and it Well, was... I wanted to bust Jay's balls because he loves Baker. And he yeah. pretends like he doesn't love Baker anymore, but you know he does. We should do we should do biggest cru- biggest athlete crushes for the UCSS set. Mm. Like does Jay's love of Baker supplant Tyvis's love of himself? No, no, <laughs> not even close. Jay's love of Baker supplant Brad's love of Carmelo Anthony. Maybe. No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Either. I'm with Earl. <laughs> Does Jay's love of Baker supplant G Bush's love of Deshaun? Uh, G Bush, I think, well. I think G Bush G Bush loves Deshaun more. Pretty far down there. All right. Earl's love of Chubb. No, Earl's love of Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> hey, Donovan, look, I stand on that. Donovan Mitchell had one of the best calf seasons I ever seen. I'm going to my grave and if Bull come to my funeral, make sure that y'all mention it. Donovan Mitchell had one of the best seasons. I ever well, saw <laughs> two things. Number one, that's fine as long as you include something you didn't in the past, not including LeBron. <laughs> and number two, hopefully, I, you know, this is probably bad for me, but yeah, I should die before you, Earl. So you should be coming <laughs> to my funeral. I'm a lot older than you. Well, well can I, I say something at your funeral? <laughs> can you, you say die? something at my yeah. funeral? Can we, can we do like a, a UCSS eulogy? Uh, sure. I, I, like that would turn. be up to my wife, not me. You know, you could talk yeah. to her. Fair. If I die, I mean, it's pretty morbid that we're having this conversation. Yeah. But Well, we're about to, Bull, do you have, here, we always get yeah. to ask you questions. How do we Bull. get here? <laughs> we, have, we have three minutes where we have to wrap. Do you have a question for myself, Earl, or Anthony? <sighs> I'm putting you on the spot. No prep here, obviously, and I apologize okay. for that. But we got to um, 105 on the clock that you're looking in the top left corner. Okay. Anthony, do you, if you, what would you give yourself as a grade for sports knowledge before we started the show, and what would you give yourself a grade for sports knowledge today? Oh, before we started the show, I'd say probably like a D minus because outside of basketball, I don't even know if I could have named half players, most of the players. Like, and I watched soccer, but I didn't follow any of the players. Uh, now at this point, at least for Cleveland sports, I'd give myself like a C, C plus maybe. Like I can't do X's and O's like you guys, but I can talk about like just being a fan of everything and like enjoying watching it as someone who grew up in the city. Okay, you guys agree with those grades? Yeah, he was uh, actually so me, Mike, and Ant got our own group chat, and Ant was actually dropping some gems during the game. Really? Kind of so, yeah. Like well, I can tell you, like 
he had his own takes, his own feelings about what was going on in the game. And I was kind of taken aback because he usually don't do that. I usually don't text during the games, but I watched that first couple plays and was like, we need Josh Dobbs. I was on that, I was on that bandwagon and I will die on that hill. All it right. Well, you shouldn't because Josh Dobbs is not very good, but uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's not like the Cardinal, you know, I listen, he's done an okay job with the Cardinals, but you know, all right. Next question. I forgot my question for Earl. I had one. I got to rethink of it. Mike. Yes. You have to be totally honest. Nobody's going to be offended because okay. I've said before that when I first was, when I first was told I was going to be offered a job in Cleveland, my first reaction was Cleveland. But I'd never oh, yeah. been here. And then that quickly changed once I <laughs> Look actually at G. Came. What's that? Look at G. Now G's in the mix? <laughs> yeah, secret chats. I thought we only left Steve out of chats. Steve Becker. Oh, we all got our we, own chat. You, you got your we, chat. We do. We have a producer's chat just for graphics and stuff. Just to make sure. You, you guys. Yeah. Nine out of ten times we're talking like something. That's it's, true. It's I don't. You guys do whatever you want. Yeah. All right. but So, Mike, when you originally this show or a version of the show was originally going to be in Dallas yeah, and not Cleveland. When yeah. you found out it was going to be Cleveland instead of Dallas, even though I know you now love Cleveland and you're happy to be here, was your first reaction like, oh, this sucks? Uh, I answered a different way because I was going to take the job no matter what. No, I know you were, but, but I, I wouldn't. If this job was in Cleveland, I wouldn't have applied. You wouldn't have. Wow. So if, if, yeah. they, if they said from the get-go, hey, we're going to do this, but we're starting in Cleveland, I wouldn't have applied. And it would have been the worst mistake of my life. Hmm. It would have been the worst mistake. It would have been, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have been the worst. So it's mistake. good that it happened the way it did. Yeah, a hundred, hundred million percent. And I, I've, I've said this before. Like, I genuinely love Cleveland. I have fallen. I, I've embraced the city. It is yeah. so much better than anyone could have prepared you for. Coming from, you know, Jersey, then Tennessee, then Texas, yeah. and here, like, it's so it's different than anywhere I've lived. But I couldn't be happier here. Uh, but the the real answer, yeah. Bull, when Steve Becker called me, because I I'll make this super short. Yeah. I had the job in, in Texas the day before Tegna sale went through where this all got changed. I was waiting on my offer. Like they already get hey, we'll send you your actual contract. Yeah. Uh, I had COVID that day. It was the only day I ever had COVID. I was throwing my brains up. Steve Becker calls me. He's like, Hey, I'm sure you saw the news. Tegna's getting sold. It's not in Dallas anymore. We're going to we're going to Cleveland. And my answer was Cleveland, Texas. That's a that's a tiny town. Like we can't do a show in just Cleveland, Texas. Yeah, right. And he's like, no, Cleveland, Ohio. And I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> let me think about it. So, so I was gonna take the job anyway. He could have said yeah. we're gonna start in Seattle. I would have been in Seattle. But you had to make him think it was. Yeah. Well, I, I did visit Cleveland and was yeah. like, okay, I can do this. But at the end of the day, I'd already left my other job, so I really didn't have a choice. But I wouldn't have applied in the first place if this was in Cleveland to begin with. And that right. was would have been a terrible mistake. It would have would have been a terrible. I, mistake. I'm telling you, when I first found out, when I was offered the job here in Cleveland to do radio here in 2011, or actually, I was offered the job originally in 2010, um, or maybe maybe very early 2011. And at first, I don't know if I've told the story in the air, but at first, I didn't know if it was. I was told by my boss in New York. He said, "We're going to offer you a job, a full time job in the company." I can't tell you where what market it's in yet. Have I told you guys this story? No, please, please tell us though. So he said, he said, I, I, I can't tell you what market it is. All I can tell you is it's east of the Mississippi. That was all he told me, east of the Mississippi. So I go home at the time that it was CBS radio. And I wake up. I, I had done an overnight shift. He <laughs> called me into his office at six o'clock in the morning because in New York 
the fan in New York is 24 hours local. Yeah. So I, I had, I, um, Bull was signed to G Unit. <laughs> was that an insult? No, G Unit is that's Fifty Cent Rap Group. Yeah. <laughs> it is that get an real insult? Behind the, no, no. Like, hey, we got a different audience on behind the glass, but people being here cracking all kind of jokes. That's funny as hell. <laughs> well, it, it it makes sense. It comes from Gucci cigarette. <laughs> Gucci cigarette. All right. So anyway, so I go home, wake up my my wife, and I'm like. They're offering me a full-time job in the company because I was working part-time in New York. I'm like, they're offering me a full-time job in the company. They said it's east of the Mississippi. So I go on the CBS radio website because I didn't know at the time that it was going to be a brand new station starting. I assumed they were offering me a job with a station that already existed because nobody told me otherwise. So I went on the CBS website and I looked at all the big markets east of the Mississippi and I was like Miami beautiful Chicago beautiful Boston beautiful Philly DC I was like all these places I'm like great I was like as long as it's not Detroit we're good I'm gonna you know I want to go now I would have taken Detroit too because I wanted a full-time job so my boss calls me like a month later and he's like okay we're offering you a job in Cleveland and here in my mind I was thinking Chicago Miami Philly the cities I'd been to, and I'm like Cleveland. I'm like, oh, but oddly, and but I, I said okay. He's like, well, they're gonna call and offer you a job in the next week, and I'm like, even though my initial reaction, and I've said this before, was not excited because I'd never been to Cleveland, and you know, you hear all the bull, the bull crap from people that don't really know what they're talking about. So, oddly, before I got offered the job, within a week, I randomly happened in New York. To meet three people, two that were from Cleveland and had moved to New York, and one person that had gone that's from New York but had gone to Case Western, and so they they had lived here for like five years, and all three said to me, "Cleveland's awesome. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Great sports town." Blah blah blah. So I was super. I had, within a week I had changed my mind. I was super excited, and then my boss called me a couple days later and said, "Yeah, the Cleveland station is off. It's not happening. Uh, sorry, you're out of luck." And it hung like that for months. And then finally, like four months later or whatever, he said, it's back on. And then they offered me the job and the rest is history. But the reason I brought it up is because same as you, like there was part of me that was like Cleveland and same as you, I embraced it quickly. And, and now honestly, I can't really imagining, imagine living anywhere else the rest of my life. You know, yeah. can I add one little thing? Cause it's funny. You said anywhere but Detroit. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever told any of you guys this. I got offered a job in Detroit in November of last year for like a significant pay raise. And I was like, last year? Like, yeah, yeah, I, like you mentioned it to me. I remember yeah, that. For like a significant raise. And I was like, there's no effing way I'm moving to Detroit. <laughs> really? No. Yeah. Yeah. And Detroit I, I, might I, be nice too, just like Cleveland's nice. Well, I, I didn't like the concept of the show or anything like oh, that. Okay. Like, but I'm just saying, I, I would have considered it more if it was something I believed in in a place that I was like, oh yeah, like yeah. okay maybe. But well, we're glad you didn't go. Yeah, it, it wouldn't. Have, I'll tell you. I'll tell you more about it tomorrow. But it, it all it of a sudden, out of the blue. Yeah. Uh, you got to ask Earl your question. Okay, we got Earl. Three minutes, so it's got to be a quick one here. Earl, will you admit that management in ninety-two through the fan is the worst? <laughs> no, don't answer that, Earl. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I mean, I'm not kidding. But no, I'm, I am kidding. I really am. <laughs> But don't say anything, Earl, obviously. Earl, when you were 15 years old, how old are you now? I can't remember. You're older than I think you are. 
35? <laughs> when you were 15 years old, what did you think you'd be doing when you were 35? I thought I'd be dead, if I'm being totally honest. Hmm. Yeah, if I'm being totally honest, like, yeah, I didn't really think I was going to live past 20, 21 years old. I was 15. I kind of jumped off the porch. I thought I wanted to be in the streets. I thought I wanted to be like, like just involved with the, all of that. But, um, you know, whoever was praying, praying for me, praying over me, looking out for me, uh, whatever. But this has been a dream of mine since I was 12 years old. It's just that I once believed because of where I come from or because of my own choices throughout life that this was never going to be. And so I remember like I worked for the city of Cleveland. I had a good job. I worked my way up to supervisor and I felt like this is as good as it's going to get. Like I'm not going to do anything that I always thought, but at least I can take care of my kids. And then when my father passed away, I remember writing my dad's obituary and my dad died suddenly at 56, but he had accomplished so many goals, like so many different accolades and achievements and at that moment, a kind of uh, a switch flip for me to where I got one life to live. I got one chance to chase my dreams. And it's funny that you all talk about, uh, you know, being in Cleveland. When I went to Ohio Media School and I was one of like three students who was really there to pursue a career in sports media. And everybody there told me that um, this was a hard market to get a job in and that in this city in particular, all the jobs was taken. And that if I wanted to do sports media in my city, one, it would probably be about six or seven years before I ever stepped in front of a microphone or a camera that I would just be doing board work and uh, producer's work. And two, that I would have to start my career outside of my city somewhere else. And I kind of told myself at that time, like, I'm different and I'm a prude y'all. I'm different. And I've been blessed to I've, I'm going into this is my third year as a professional. I've spent all three years in my hometown. I take pride in saying that I'm from the inner city of Cleveland, Ohio, and I get to cover sports in the same city that I grew up cheering for these teams in. I get to wake up every day and do what I love. I'm not dead. I'm not in jail. I ain't got no criminal record. I ain't got nobody like out here trying to do harm to me or my family because of something I did in the past. Like whatever I went through, I clearly overcame it. And like, here we are. Awesome. Well, we will be back tomorrow on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show at 11. Hey, this is like an intimate fireside chat with us and the viewers. Yeah. That's why we, we love doing this every week. You guys. Let me say one thing, it. Mike. Yeah, sure. Just response to what Earl said. Yeah. You know, we do not in this business have enough diversity. Um, it's, it's a major problem. I think things are getting maybe slowly getting better. But. The problem is, it's just like in professional sports. And you say, well, why are there so few black head coaches in the NFL, right? Well, all the owners are white. And I'm not saying they're all racist. Probably some of them are. Probably many of them aren't. But if you're an old white dude, right, even if you're open-minded, not racist at all, you still probably grew up around mostly, if not all, white people, especially old white people. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like guys that own teams that are 70 years old. They probably grew up around all white people. So even if it's subconscious, when you do an interview, if you're a 75 year old white dude and you're interviewing a 35 year old 
white guy and a 35 year old black guy, there there may be just some sort of even again, some of it it's outright racist. But I think in most cases it's a subconscious thing where it's like, oh, there's a familiarity with this one guy. So maybe I'm gonna trust him more. And you may not even realize that. Right? And I there was a time where um Mostly, I you know, I haven't been in a position to hire people, but there was a time where I was a program director of a small station in upstate New York, and I remembered I interviewed somebody that, like, had a similar background to me, and I was going to hire the person, and then I was like, you know, I have to... I, I, I was trying to make myself conscious of, do I have any biases here? Am I hiring this guy because he's the best guy for the job or because he reminds me of myself because he has a similar background? Like, and and... I think unless you take those steps, and it's the same thing to me in management. If you look at, I've been in this business for over twenty years now, mm-hmm. and if you look, I have never every boss I've had in my entire life has been white. Uh, I can't. I'm trying to think if I've in twenty something years in this business if there's ever been a black person at the executive level in any job I've worked at, not even the big boss. I'm just thinking the executive level period. And I can't, I mean, maybe I'm just not thinking of it. It's been a long time, but I don't think so. And listen, I mean, I spent, you know, more than half my career at one job here in Cleveland, but I've been around enough and I've talked with enough people in other markets. And most of the, most people in management look the same. And again, I'm not accusing any of them of being racist. I'm sure most of them are not. Um, yeah. But it's just a, a, a subconscious comfort or familiarity with somebody that leads to people getting jobs. And everybody has like everybody has an accent or talks a certain way or uses a certain type of language, and people are going to be more comfortable often with someone that talks or sounds or maybe even looks like them and to get all to get all, to get through that to move on from that to be better than that either two things has to have to happen either we have to get to a point where we have more black representation and not just that latin i mean this I, you want to talk, I, I don't know if i've worked with one latino person yeah. in 20 years yeah I, I i don't think so i'm trying to remember so that it's not just but if 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 all the owners are white and all the ma- and all upper management is white, well, it's it's makes it even harder. So if you can't if you if those positions turn over less, and if those people are all going to continue to be white, and hopefully you'll see more diversity in those positions. But even if you don't, you need the people that are in there to be willing to say to themselves, "I've got to come into this with an open mind. I've got to realize that I may have a." a Subconscious bias because the people that are racist, there's nothing you can do about those people. They're not going to, yeah. they, you know, they're they're lost causes. But the people that are not, which I think is the majority, but that may ha- may have some subconscious biases, if they think about it, if they tell themselves, "Hey, make sure you're not leaning towards this guy because of the way he sounds," but really, let's pick the best person here. Then I think we will see things continue to get better. Hey anyway. Mike, I know, uh, Mike, I know you want to rap, man, but I, I gotta go off of like yeah. something boy said. So, you know, behind the glass, we try to take people behind the scenes and like on camera, on air, 
when we doing our thing, Bull take a lot of heat because of how he presents his takes. And that's how you know Bull is good at his job. We don't try to be right or wrong. We try to present the facts, but at the same time, we try to create an emotional reaction. So if you like it, don't like it, but you react to it, I mean, I did something. But Bull got a big heart. And, you know, I, Bull, you've, you've been at the fan longer than I was. I think I'm like the third person ever of color to host a radio show at 92.3 The Fan. And, uh, am I correct on that? What, UG Bush and Double and A? Double A, yeah. And Double A did it before I did. Um, did the BSK ever do a show? I don't think so. So I, I'm like, like I'm either the third or the fourth person ever at 923 to find a host a show. And Bull would always like he would call me, he would give me feedback, tell me where he thought I was solid, tell me where I can uh actually you know, work on some things. And then when I go back to my community, I hear a lot of people talk about man, like you know, when you be up there on UCSS, like you're not afraid of Bull, you're not afraid of Jay, like these some big dogs, and you hold your own weight. And, you know, he said something like representation matters. And that's why I try to be so conscious of what I do and how I go about my profession, taking my job seriously and always working hard. I don't necessarily look at things like, okay, I got to make sure my kids are straight. I look at things like it might be a young man or a young woman that's black that grew up in an inner city like me that got big ass dreams, big ass goals, but nobody around them to kind of push them in that direction. And so it's important me to nurture where I'm at to, to, you know, grow myself in this profession, because I do want to touch the next mind of the next person that look like me, who feel like they can't get an opportunity to do this and let you know, like, yeah, it's hard as hell. And sometimes you might have to double down or triple down on the work. But, you know, if you if you get around the right people and you have a little luck and you just continue to work hard that you can get here. So like, I take pride in being here. I take pride of being a man of color that got my own voice, my own style. I'm not trying to look like nobody else. And I'll be raw and authentic with who I am. And I think the audience appreciate that. And I appreciate you, boy, yeah. for every Thank you, piece Earl. of feedback that Thank you've you. ever given me. And like, Thank you. I, and, and, and let me say that um, I, it is one of the things I love about the show is that we nobody gets pigeonholed. Nobody tries to be somebody they're not. Like, we all come from different backgrounds. We all bring our own life experiences. And we all, I think, appreciate that from each other. And we have a fun time. We bust each other's balls because that's what guys do. And But nobody's trying to, to pretend to be somebody else. And, and that's cool. That, and I think when you easy. say... You spot a phony, bull. We've always called that phonies. Yeah, yeah we hate We've that. We've always called that phonies. But I think Earl made uh, one really, really good point you made there is... You know, probably when I was a kid, all right, when I was a kid, and I remember WFAN in New York went on the air in 1980, in the in the winter of 86 to 87. I think it was, I can't remember, it was late 86, early 87, right? I was 15 years old when the station went on the air. You guys weren't even born, obviously. What year were you born, Earl? I was born in 87. Okay, so you were, you were just born, and you guys weren't even born yet. And I remember as a kid, like... There was no such thing as sports talk radio. There might have been like one or two shows, a couple of shows across the country, but there was not a sports radio station. It didn't exist. The only way I could get scores in those days was to listen to the news station, which would give you scores every half an hour, or call a thing called sports phone. I actually would have to dial I remember nine. That. You remember sports phone? Uh, oh, well, in Tennessee, that's how we had to get some of the scores for the high yeah, schools. It's yeah, it's insane. But 
I, I remember when I first heard the fan go on the air, I was 15. And when I was a kid, I used to play like a game called Stratomatic, another game called Pursue the Pennant, which was like a dice game with baseball players. And I would do the play-by-play. I, my first dream was always to be a play-by-play guy. But then my second thing was once I heard sports radio, I was like, well, I want to do that. I wanted to do play-by-play or sports radio. It was always something I wanted to do. And I would imagine that kids a little younger than me, and you're a, a lot younger than me, but a kid's like maybe five, ten years younger than me, were probably, if, if you were a, a black kid, you probably thought maybe there was no chance because you weren't hearing any black guys on the radio. I mean, I just, and maybe, maybe there was in other parts of the country, but I, you know, I didn't know about them. No, if it was in New York. It probably wasn't anywhere. I mean, New there York was wasn't. when the, when the fan in New York went on, when originally went on, one of the co-hosts actually was, um, Dave Sims. Do you guys know who Dave Sims is? No, he does play by play for the Mariners. He's black. Um, but he wasn't on very long. Or maybe I can't remember, maybe I could be mistaken about that, but I know there was one guy, but he was he was they moved on and changed things up quickly. And that station's been on the air for what is that, thirty seven years, and they have had now they do have one full time host, their nighttime guy. His name is Keith. I can't think of his last name. I saw uh, an article today they want to make Tiki Barber the, the new face of Well, NBA. Tiki and now Tiki. So they they they've gotten better, but look how many years it's been. There's been very yeah. few. Two and thirty it's, something years is unacceptable. It, well, it's not two, but, but there was there was a guy named Tony, um, overnight guy. He did overnights. Tony Page. Tony Page. Uh, who did? But 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 not a lot. Not a lot of representation. Not, not enough. At the end of they've the day, never, they've only enough. had one one full time female host. They've never had a Latino host. I don't think that I can recall. Um, so, so the, it matters. So when, when Earl is on the show, when G is on the show, when Tyvis is on the show, I think young kids watching our show more than any other sports outlet in this city by far, if they're watching, whether they're living in Cleveland, wherever the hell they are, suburbs or city, doesn't matter. If you're, if you're a 15 year old black kid right now, and you're watching our show, you're saying, hey, I, I can make this a career. Yeah. And you guys are all, you know, G's in his 40s. You're in your 30s. And Tyvis, I think Tyvis turns 30 next year. No, he's, he well, next year. He's 29 right now. He's yeah, but he's turning 30 soon. But still, you guys are, you know, half generations away from each other. And, and so I think that makes a difference. And that's something that's important. That's really, really Shout really out to cool. UCSS. Yeah. yeah. Landmade, baby. Earl, Landmade. We, we started this show talking about what you're doing next Friday, speaking to the – I don't want to – it's – Cuyahoga County Juvenile Detention. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I don't want to say it wrong. So that's awesome. We ended with this. This is what you get up behind the glass. Real, raw, yeah. unfiltered conversations. And, Bo, we appreciate you joining us. We are back tomorrow yeah, at 11 a.m. on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Uh, you guys stick around for one sec. I'll tell you off air about that job in Detroit. I don't want to put them on blast here. But for the rest of y'all, we'll see y'all tomorrow. Peace. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.